we are live. So if anyone's out there, they can see us. Um, and no one is watching right now. <laughs> so, uh, so um, okay. So until they join, let, let's go do a brief run over of what we're going to be watching. For what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, definitely want to talk about the Inspiration Four mission. Okay, and I'd like to talk about the Astra rocket 3.3 from the Kodiak Island debacle. Is that the yep? Yeah, is that the one that went sideways and then blew up? <laughs> yeah, they, 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 I don't think they could have messed that up. Uh, it, it, the, the fact that it was a whole engine just decided not to fire mm-hmm. and have it still successfully, you know, take off from the Earth and then blow up. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, we we have a couple of people watching now. Hello, folks. Hi, welcome. Um, and you've gone quiet again. <laughs> Um, Unk. Well, well, we'll 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 deal with it, uh, folks. Let me know if y'all can hear what Unk is saying, because uh, he's a little quiet, having a little bit of technical issues. Because of course we are. This is a podcast. <laughs> um, so if you can't hear Unk, let us know, and we'll we'll see what else we can do. We'll complain. I don't know if I have any audio controls on my end here, um, this. Uh, <laughs> New so we're here to talk about space stuff. Yeah, we haven't had a space chat in a long time, and uh, and so we figured this would be a, a good chance because there's, there's a lot of groovy stuff going on uh, in a, and about space. Uh, some spectacular failures as well as some spectacular uh, uh, successes. Hey, John, good, you can hear him. That's good. Um. Uh, our ups and downs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the one you were just talking about before, we, let's we'll go ahead and talk about that. That's the the uh, what, what was that called? The Astra. Yes. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah. Okay. There's a, a rocket called the Astra, which was launched out of uh, uh, Wallops Island up in Alaska, and. Uh, they oopsed on the last mission, and one of the rockets uh, didn't launch, didn't uh, activate. So when they when they told it to go, it just stood there over the over the launch pad, and then just kind of like drifted off to the side. <laughs> then a puff of smoke decided it. The thrust to weight ratio was really not that great. It was enough to get off the launch pad a couple feet, and once it burned enough fuel, there's this is a lot less weight now. It decided to take off anyway. And the, the funny thing about the video, if you look up Astro Rocket 3.3 and launch, you'll hear the, uh, the, the flight announcer say, and we're about to achieve a milestone of Max Q. <laughs> yeah. just, she was just so surprised that it's less broken than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they did eventually have to abort the launch. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, and he's spectacular. Yeah. Rapidly, uh, rapid, unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was one of the most. Uh, hey, Blakey, uh, that was one of the most bizarre launches I think I've ever seen. Um, I didn't, wa- I wasn't watching it live, but I caught it afterwards because the the headline was something like, you know, rocket goes sideways and then explodes, and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, and it literally it, it goes like you know six feet above the pad and then just sort of sits there for a second and then just starts just, sliding uh, to the right. <laughs> like there's some sort of breeze. <laughs> I'm just I'm surprised they waited as long as they did to to abort the launch. I guess they were trying to protect their the the pad and stuff, but. Uh, well, they wanted to get it out over water, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they didn't want it to damage any of, their, any of their stuff. And the rocket was still ready to go. Yeah, the, res- the reservoir wanted to go. It reminds me of that uh, poster of the um, Upper Goer Five, <laughs> where the uh, you know the, the, at the tip, this end up, or you will not be going into space today. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a um, XKCD cartoon. Yes. Um. Where they they describe things without using big words. And I think they use the thousand most popular words in the English language to uh, that's what describe it was, technical yeah. things. <laughs> it, and I I liked it so much I bought the book. <laughs> um, so that that was that was a failure. There was a, now now Astra is a they're a company that are trying to get in on the on the the commercial space flight correct bandwagon. Um. And are they the ones that are using all print, 3D printed rockets, or is that a different company? That's a, that's a different company. Okay. The problem with the 3D printed rockets is that they'll never be as strong as something that was you know, properly tempered and molded in that way. They're, it, they're, they're quick. Yeah. It's just, can they make it strong enough to withhold the, 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 the pressures and temperatures that they need to? And 3D printing metal is not, a, not cheap. Yeah. Now, the thing I don't understand about all of these companies is, uh, and, and, and I've, I've seen this with different countries trying to get into space also, it's like everybody has to start from scratch. Isn't there like an internet search where you can find out how to build a rocket? Only the basics of it, but uh, like for instance, during the Apollo program, we developed the large Saturn V engines, the, 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 I forget the J number, J5s? I forget. Uh, F1s. F1s. And the Russians couldn't because the cryogenic temperatures, steel turns brittle, and it would just shatter. And we found a, a, a formula for steel that includes things like copper and chromium and uh, titanium, and that that was still flexible at those temperatures. And they couldn't find they they could not steal or find that recipe. Hmm. And that's the big issue. The uh, the the other issue is um, the F ones kept exploding when when uh, tested. Because of uh, there's an oscillation back and forth in the in the, in the chamber, mm-hmm. and it's happening hundreds and hundreds of times a second. Well, it would just shake the engine part and blow up, and they wouldn't they would not be able to find out why. So what we did is we put um, a cross shaped baffle and then a half circle or quarter circles in there to help even out the flow. And to test it, they induced a uh, uh, an oscillation there by putting dynamite in the uh, mm-hmm. the engine, which never sounds like a good idea. Uh, how would that engineer go to his boss and say, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> Let's put some dynamite in our rocket engine because it's not full of exploding stuff enough. Let's put more. <laughs> and well, when they, and, do, and they do those op- oscillations and the engine said, just go anyway. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, when you think about the, the, the forces inside the the, uh, the 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 nozzle of a rocket are so incredibly strong that a stick of dynamite really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, when, when they blow up the dynamite, 
the, the oscillation within the sixteenth of a second was gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, I listened to a book called Apollo Eight or about Apollo Eight. Um, mm-hmm. Hang on, uh, it talked really about the moon. Say what? Oh yeah, our real first mission to the moon. Yeah. Um, hang on, let me find out the exact name of that book. Bring up my uh, my Audible library. Um, library. Um, Carrying the fire is really good by Michael Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, although it was it was the 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 thing I came away from that book with was being amazed at how blasé Collins was about his entire career. <laughs> Just coasting. It was just, you know, something to do. <laughs> um, it, 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 it was better than being stuck in the, at a desk. Yeah. Uh, actually, was it Apollo? I've, I've listened to so many books about uh, Apollo and uh, Apollo 11, Apollo, Apollo 8, Breaking the Chains of Gravity, um, Into the Black. Uh, that, that one's about the shuttle. Uh, program, I think. When the, um, the, did you read Dragonfly the, uh, about the uh, Mirror Space Station and the boopses uh, on it? Uh, no, I haven't. How many times? The, how many times they really close came to losing everybody up there, or the the station being destroyed? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you know, I, I I really hope that a lot of these smaller companies do figure their stuff out because competition can only be good for this fledgling industry yes and it's not just uh for the companies might go under but the um the innovation the speed of innovation as more people try to solve problems in different ways is just amazing well also what i like about astra and god i wish i could remember some of the other companies names but um is that they're, <clears throat> excuse me, they're working on like getting cargo into low Earth orbit. They're they're not trying to send billionaires up for a for a you know suborbital hop. Um, again, yeah, again. <laughs> um, you know, I I, I, I want to talk about there's there in in my opinion, and and I'm I, I welcome your opinion on this too. Uh, this is something I really want to talk about. Um, is I think there's a fundamental difference between SpaceX and Blue Origin slash Virgin Galactic. Sure. And that is that, you know, Musk, for all all that he's a Bond villain, I think we can make that as a given that, that Elon Musk is probably not one of the most uh, untainted souls on Earth. How about, is that a, but he's a visionary. You know, yes. And he has created a company that has done amazing things. And... Um, I was telling my wife yesterday and anyone that would listen uh, when Inspiration 4 returned home safely uh, this opens a whole new chapter in spaceflight because what they did was show that you they can create a safe functioning spaceship that you can for all intents and purposes grab four people off the street throw them in the cockpit launch them into orbit for a few it's days really and cool then suits. <laughs> and yeah, in really cool suits, and then bring them home safely. Uh, 
which is something NASA would never do. <laughs> um, you know, I I haven't heard any any uh, 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 any statements from actual astronauts. Although those four guys, those four people are actual astronauts now. There's no denying that. Um, but you know, they all had you know a few months of training. You know, they had some idea. One of them is a pilot. One of them is you know, well, two of them are pilots. So uh, it's not like they were completely without any relevant skills. But uh, you know, piloting a, a, a you know a private plane or piloting a fighter jet is very different from getting Follow, a gun out with, with with parachutes, hoping that you land on land. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so this really opens up the door to the exploitation of low Earth orbit without having to spend two decades in R&D before you can put someone up there. Well, it's not just low Earth orbit. We can go, they can go higher than that. Um, it was, it, it was um, a very big achievement for the, the, the Falcon 9. Mm-hmm. And with, with the, uh, the the Falcon 9 Heavy, uh, the, with like you know two or three of them strapped together, um, they they could do a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I I was glad isn't really the right word because I would have loved to have been wrong about it, but both SpaceX and the SLS have kind of backed off on their going to the moon by 2024 talk that they were. Uh, saying last year um that's mostly because the um the uh the 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 bfr the the, the big falcon rocket <laughs> the <laughs> starship um the fact that they have so many of them in on the assembly line at a time and when they when they had a failure they said okay let's prevent that from happening on the next ones and so they fix it and it's it's a tremendously wasteful like um unsafe way of of engineering something but if you're trying to go for speed and you have a large budget, it is the most effective way to do it. Mm-hmm. So he's throwing a, a, a metric shit ton of, of cash at the problem, and he's getting re- really good results. The uh, uh, the the the, the space uh, spaceship uh, SM fifteen is uh, ready to go. The the twenty is is down the road, mm-hmm. and it's huge. And if you've seen these things. Uh, just go up and then just you know fall level and then right itself and land yeah th- th- that's the very latest in like 1940s Buck Rogers technology <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's working yeah well when it, it when it finally worked I watched you know three of them fall over and blow up <laughs> yeah but hey everybody you know trips while you're learning to walk <laughs> yeah but you're right you know SpaceX has the they have the the resources to just Throw shitloads of money at the program at the problem and fix it. Um, I'll admit, I thought the start. One of the crashes was caused by there was too much. There was more fuel than they thought they would have left over. Mm -hmm. Um, So when when it tried to break, it was it was way too much to break effectively. So now the computers say, okay, how much weight do we have left? While in free fall, says how much volume do we have left? It's like uh, that that's that's pretty ingenious on on how to figure that out. So it has to know, you know, when I'm breaking it, it. Every time it does, it's not a preset program. It's a, how much fuel, how much mass do I have? Uh, so how can I swing around and fire the engines and break with this much left over? Um, and the, the, the computer, the, the programs that did that and, and how well those programs know 
the actual engine itself and the fuel pumps and the temperatures and the humidities. Wow, those guys are just brilliant. Yeah, um, and and you know the Falcons are are probably some of the best rockets ever made. Uh, Very stable. That was weird. <laughs> My image just went weep. <laughs> Well, the uh, the altitude that the uh, the that the um, what do they call their 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 little their mission? Um, the ins- I, I inspiration for? Yeah, uh, the 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 space station goes at around two hundred ten miles an hour, two hundred twenty or mm-hmm. miles altitude. They were averaging on three hundred to three hundred fifty miles. Yep. So they've already con- they've conquered low Earth orbit with that thing, and they they prove it to NASA. They get four people and a lot of stuff at the same time up there and back safely. So the the Russians are unhappy because now they're going to have really really good competition on a price per pound to get to orbit. Yeah, and the Russians don't have anything that's reusable. Uh, we're we're babysitting uh, our neighbor's kid, and the the children are being very noisy. Uh, I need to go tell them to STFU again. I'll be right back. <laughs> I, I use that acronym a lot at work uh, when I tell, pe- tell people that because uh, um, I I put down uh, sandwich time for unks when I'm going to, to lunch. The first time my boss saw that acronym and did not uh, did not understand. Us, had to quickly explain. No, no, no. It's not anything bad. It's sandwich time for you, Tex. You shut up too. But the the fact I think the fact that uh, it, they were up to oh, three hundred and fifty-seven mile oh, yeah. altitude. Um, it, at, at that point, it would not take that much more effort to, to break orbit and uh, go higher or um, go to the moon. The, okay. 357 miles is, is really high up there and NASA doesn't have anything that, that, that could do that yeah um, well I, uh, yeah okay granted you know uh, but I mean they're not going to be sending civilians to them well you know they might why wouldn't you yeah why not um, to build, you, to build send, the, uh, the gateway station at the time they wouldn't be civilians well but yeah they, would they want to take uh, some of the regolith up there and, and mix it with water and, and make concrete out of it you send a, a material science uh, engineer and you turn him into an astronaut. He, he's not military, but he's still an astronaut. And you, you take the best people for the job. He, he doesn't care if if they're politically connected or had, were test pilots. He wants somebody who knows how to make concrete out of water and regolith. Yeah. The missus is home. Um, so you, you will now hear the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so yeah, you know, and I know that there was a parts in the right place. Yes, he's very excited that mommy's home. Uh, Burrito is very much mommy's puppy. Hello. Hello. Um, we're we're podcasting, so. Um. Uh, blah, blah, blah. what was I doing? What was I saying? Um. Oh, oh, there is a Netflix documentary series that followed the four astronauts before. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's like a follow-up afterwards. I didn't know it existed until the day of the launch, so I haven't watched any of it. But uh, just watching, I mean, the 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 crew one one guy is like a billionaire, 
who bought all four seats and then donated the other three. Uh, and you know, one of, I, I don't know which one is which. I think the uh, uh, one of the guys is a, is a is a retired fighter pilot. Um, the the woman who's the pilot of the who was the 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 pilot, even though you know the the computer did all the driving. Um, she's I don't know what she does. She's she's a, she's a, a trained pilot. That's all I kept seeing. I didn't I didn't look too deeply into it. But the person who's my favorite person on the flight. Uh, is the youngest person to go into space. Um, oh, uh, there's there's a follow up episode at the end of the month. Okay, thanks, Bluent. Um, the uh, her name is Haley Arsenault, and she is my new hero. Just because, for, you know, she's she's the youngest person to go into space to date. Uh, or American, maybe I don't know if the Russians have sent. She's thirty. She's uh, twenty nine. Not that young, but still. Um, yeah, that's young. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I guess for an astronaut, they're they're usually in their 30s or 40s. Um, if I have shirts that still fit that are older than she is, she's. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watched the launch after the after the ship took off and they showed some of the inner in, the the images of the crew inside during the launch, you had serious face, serious face, serious face, huge fucking grin. <laughs> and she, I mean, it was like, you could see it through her visor. She just, all of her teeth. <laughs> and she was just Simple having joy. a blast. Hmm? Simple joy. Yeah, absolutely. And then they did a, they did like a, a press conference. It wasn't really a press conference, but it was like a, you know, hi, we're, you know, we're in space. And again, you've got, Right side up, right side up, side up, and Haley's floating upside down, <laughs> and she's grinning at the camera. <laughs> and she was just having so much fun up there. Now, I they they were, didn't show any cockpit shots during the splashdown. Um, I would imagine they didn't they didn't have that kind of a feed with all the reentry mess. Um, but you know, I don't know if she was enjoying splashdown as much as launch. But she was just you know she's she's a cancer survivor. Uh, childhood cancer survivor and uh, a physician's assistant at St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And that was the whole uh, point of this mission. Well, not the whole point of the mission, but uh, they used this mission as a fundraiser and they raised like $220 million for St. Jude's, you know, some, something like that. And Elon Musk donated $50 million, um, to the hospital. And that's that's where where Haley works. And it was just so much fun watching how much fun she was having on that flight. Um, and I love the fact that they put a cupola on the thing, which was, yes. you know, they, they, they put a glass dome at the top because they didn't need the docking hatch because they weren't docking with anything. Um, it was the single largest window to fly into space to date. And they put a GoPro outside the thing so they could <laughs> get shots from outside the ship of people inside the bubble. You know, you can say what you want about Elon, you know, and, you know, some of his ideas are crazy, but damn, SpaceX knows how to play the PR game and they do it beautifully. Yes. And, you know, if you have that much money, spend a little bit on PR. Spend some at a, at a children's hospital. Um, can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Even if the now, doesn't cover it, it's still good. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, you've got Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin with their flying dildo suing NASA <laughs> because they don't think NASA is giving them as, as much money as they deserve for their useless little puddle hopper of a rocket. 
Um, it has the potential of being useful. It'll be outdated by the time it's it, it's you know ready to go. But yeah. Um, when I went to when I took Sharon to the to the space center this summer, um, they've moved where you go in. Um, you no longer go all the way down the causeway and then and then turn right into that where the entrance used to be. Um, remember back before the Atlant the Atlantis display where they had the the the, the model of the mock-up of the shuttle and you would turn right just past yeah. that. Um, then they moved that over to the to the Atlantis, but you, they still kept that entrance. Now you turn uh, like about a mile before that and you go down this side road and you go in kind of the back. Like it dumps you right into the parking lot area. But you have to go past the Blue Origin complex, which is which is just huge. And it, it just, I, I don't understand unless they're doing stuff that they're they're keeping quiet about i i just don't it, it just seems like an awful lot of infrastructure for what they're doing with their rocket unless there's bigger plans down the road that they haven't said anything about to the press well from what i understand and i'm not i'm not i don't work out there anymore but from talking to the people that, that that do they plan on doing a lot of the refurbishment of the different capsules and parts there rather mm-hmm. than ship them back and forth across the country uh to different places like nasa does they mm-hmm. plan on doing a lot of the repairs and updates and inspections on site. And they needed all that infrastructure for it. Yeah. Okay. And it is faster and cheaper that way if they're using it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't dislike Virgin Galactic. I think that the Spaceship One is a really pretty ship. Uh what's the guy's um I'm blanking on his name now uh Murdoch right no yeah yeah Rupert Rupert Murdoch no that's the other guy uh. Richard Branson and- Branson that's the one yep. uh I mean I'm you know he just he he's I've always admired him just from a, this is sort of a, he's sort of a, a Indiana Jones slash uh, Bruce Wayne kind of, kind of persona. Um, but I like, you know, the thing I like about the spaceship one is it's not getting in the way. Okay. They launch it from a, from the bottom of a plane. They fly it up into, in, you know, suborbital, they float around a little bit, then they come back down. They're not making any claims to do anything else. But they're also not getting any headway into technology. No. You know, for what they're doing, that technology is about as useful as a really more powerful rubber band powered airplane. Yeah. Um, There's nothing that they're doing that's really that innovative that isn't being done better by someone else. Yeah. And and I, you know, and I, I realize that that's makes them kind of useless but they're Dude, also not saying, money give us <laughs> hmm? they're not spending taxpayer money on it exactly true. they're not saying you know nasa give us money to develop this because they don't need it and there is one thing that they're doing that could have benefits if they keep working at it is you know the dream of launching a plane a, a you know a spaceship into orbit from the from a plane has been around for a long time and it's just sure. always you know it, they've never been able to work it out if they could work out a way to get a decent payload into space 
you know, as opposed to, you know, three rich people, um, and launch it from the bottom of a 747, that would that would open up a lot of launch windows because they, they wouldn't have to fight as much gravity and they wouldn't have to be in the in a specific place. The only problem with that is it you have to you'd have to limit what you're carrying up there to the limit and stability of the plane. Yeah. So if you compare it to like the Falcon Nine, the Falcon Nine Heavy, and and the Starship, um, it can launch small satellites, and that's what the Pegasus does. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the Pegasus is a is an under the under the wing launch system for small satellites into low or just above low Earth orbit, depending on uh, the payload. And they'll they'll take off the airplane, they'll fly down towards the equator, head east, and then launch. And that way, they get the boost from the, the rotation of the Earth. Now, there is some wackos that tried suing, saying that every time you do that, you slow down the rotation of the Earth a little bit because that energy <laughs> has to come from somewhere. Um. But you can sue for anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, 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 uh, they're, they're evening doing that. Facebook like user, don't know who you are. It, it's uh, it's so common to launch small satellites that way that it doesn't even make space news anymore. Yeah, I didn't realize that that Pegasus was doing that. So then, never mind. Um, but I would rather see, you know, something like what Branson's doing for tourism. You know, I have no, I have no problem. I have no basic problem with space tourism. Um. I just, I you know, I thought all of the the hoopla over the the Blue Origin launch a couple months ago was rather overblown. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it it if it does something, you know, like with with uh, with SpaceX, you know, if they're flying one tourist mission and it gives them enough money to find to fund, you know, one or two real missions, groovy. That's great. Um. The Falcon and the Dragon have proven their utility uh, yes. over and over again. Uh, I, I I really don't see the Blue Origins. What what the hell is that thing called? I don't remember what the rocket's called, but uh, it it just it barely makes it <laughs> to the edge of space. It's not like it's you know it, it it's 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 like an elevator compared to uh, you know the 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 Concorde. It just eh. yeah. Yeah, the Pegasus had a launch uh, just this last June, and it, okay. it doesn't even make space news anymore because it's just so routine and so it, it doesn't capture your imagination. And it's it's stable; it just works. Just sling it under the uh, the uh, the wing of an airplane, take off, go down to where you want want to launch from, even if it's not U.S. territory. Hit the go button and land again. Yeah. Um, about nineteen twenty feet di- uh, wing wingtip to wingtip. Um, okay, so it's so it's, it's basically a sounding rocket that they're just launching from a. Yeah, but they can get, they can get a lot of stuff into into space that way. Cheap, reliable. Yeah. yeah, I mean it. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, that's cool. Payload of four hundred forty three kilograms. That's. You could put up a bunch of CubeSats with that. Yep. Um, yeah, you're not sending cargo to the ISS with it, but uh, if you need to get a, a, a small satellite or, or take some readings or something, yeah. Uh, a, a spy satellite, communication satellites, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they can launch them into just about any type of uh, orbit. So what's going on with the Dream Chaser? 
Well, SpaceX is doing a lot of things. They are so involved with so many things in, in the Department of Defense and communications. And the Dream Chaser is just uh, one of the one of the projects that that they're doing. They're, they haven't pinned all their hopes on there, but it's still their most cool project. Um, and they, they're they're getting they got NASA funding and they're reliable. I don't know when they're going to launch, but I'm hoping I'm hoping that eventually <laughs> they'll be able to be put on a Falcon Nine mm-hmm. um, or uh, the United Launch Alliance. In my opinion, it looks like the United Launch Alliance, which uh, works out of uh, Patrick Air Force Base, is being left behind in the dirt. Um, well, they keep well they 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 they've pinned their hopes on the Starliner, which is just a bad idea. <laughs> that's yeah. that's Boeing's attempt to recreate the get a manned capsule, a crewed capsule into space. Yeah, and you know, I really do like the uh, the, the Dream Chase. I. But anybody who's been listening to, the, to your podcast for you for years, I've been talking about the Dream Chaser, <laughs> and it's just it, it 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 is sexy. It is awesome. I I just it, it is inexpensive. It's reusable. Uh, it's the only thing that even remotely could approach some of the capabilities of the space shuttle of being able to fix stuff and then come back down. Um, but it's still in development. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the I'd, I'd almost forgotten about the the Starliner. They were they were this close to a test launch, and then thirteen valves went bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and not in a good way. <laughs> no, and and uh, you know they they I was watching the countdown, and then they scrubbed the launch, and they said we've got a we've got a valve you know a, a valve reading is is unexpected. I, I think that was the. The, the really vague term they use. And then the next day, they're like, yeah, 13 valves all stuck. Um, uh, and some of them were switched wrong. When they'd say open, it would close. When they'd say close, it would open. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just can't do that with with fuels and oxidizers. No, no. You need them going where they're supposed to go when yeah. they're supposed to go there. <laughs> Let's not put the hydrazine in the crew cabin. It is an oxidizer. Yeah. <laughs> and you can breathe it. But only twice. <laughs> <laughs> Once in, and the rest out. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, the, the, the first flight of the Dream Chaser was supposed to be this year, mm. but because of COVID and some supply issues yeah. and some people issues, they were willing to cut that back and launch next year. Next year, when they do this, it's going to be the unmanned version, and it's going to have the uh, the landing ski for the front and the wheels on the back. And I'm hoping once that proves itself as being able to enter, um, they'll get a contract for the for the next version that is both manned and the one that's twice as big. Yeah. Because no, at, at, at that point, it is the ultimate crew, crew vessel for for going up and back. Yeah. E- except for the windows, it doesn't have a lot of windows. <laughs> Windows are overrated. <laughs> yeah, and you can take twice as many people safely up there in something that cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with with the Starliner, um, sorry, don't bell rang. I'm ca- uh, okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you're saying, Bullet, but you go for it. <laughs> can Can you see the comments, Unc? No. Okay, if you look on the right side of your screen, at the top it says comments. If you click on that, you should be able to see the comments people are posting. Uh, I'm on an iPad, so it says chats down below. Oh, okay. Comments. Oh. 
but uh, but you know, I I don't have a problem with the uh, with the Starliner as a piece of equipment, but just Boeing has always had this attitude, and I and I, I developed this after reading all of these books about the the you know about the space program, and you know companies like Boeing have become so entrenched and comfortable in their in their contracts and everything that and they're all for profit they're they're not they're, they pay lip service to safety and lip service to the mission of let's go out and explore but that's not what it's all about there've been too many times in the past where safety has taken a backseat because someone said we have a deadline to meet mm-hmm. or you know, we'll spend this money and then we'll go and say that we're over budget, so NASA needs to pay us more, or all this money will be wasted. <sighs> and and then you know, there, the the whole SLS because you know, well, no, that's that's Orion, but the the you know, the whole Starliner program is way behind schedule. And then they finally get on the pad. Well, you know, they had they had a test launch last year that didn't even make it to its orbit. You know, it got it got to a orbit. <laughs> or an orbit, but it didn't get to the right it, orbit. It, it went up. <laughs> <laughs> it went up and it landed in in one piece. Um, but then they they blew this launch window, and they probably won't get to launch this year because not necessarily because they it'll take them too long to fix their problems, but there's no room in the launch schedule anymore. Because yeah. they got SpaceX going up, and they've got other ELA launches going on, and there's just too much happening, and there's there's no room for Boeing's fucked up thing to get onto a pad now. And I can't say I feel bad for them because they just I feel bad for the people working there because they're probably going to be the ones that that bear the brunt of this. Yes. Um, but Boeing as a company needs to get more nimble. Uh. Or they're, or you know, places like SpaceX are just they're are just going to leave them, you know, behind. You know, SpaceX well, are the mammals, and Boeing is the is the brontosaurus. Boeing, Lockheed, and 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 the rest of the old aerospace giants from the years past still have the this is the way we've always done an attitude, and that's why Elon Musk and the rest of them are powering past them because they say we don't care. Yes, there's lessons that you learned in the past that we need we will have to probably relearn. But all the mistakes that you made, we've already doc- we, we can document and and try to work around them before we get to those. But we can also say, hey, why don't we try something this way? Um, when everybody else is trying to use carbon fiber because it's so much lighter, Elon Musk says, yeah, but on a cost per pound, steel is cheap. Mm-hmm. Still going like seven hundred dollars a pound for for carbon fiber after you've had it cut and molded and welded. Um, you buy you pay pay three dollars a pound for for steel. Make your ship out of steel. You just have yeah. to make it more robust or a little bit thicker to do what carbon fiber does. But steel is cheap. Yeah. Well, that's you know, I, I the 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 uh, the the uh, starship. It looks like a giant water heater, but when that thing is finally done, it's it's gonna look cool as hell. <laughs> well, even even right now, you look at it and you think, yeah. As a kid, I'd be all over that. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a big stainless steel Buck Rogers rocket. <laughs> Well, I don't know if anybody uh, listening remembers uh, a program called the Delta Clipper. The Delta Clipper was a whole spaceship that looked kind of like um, a, a gumdrop matched with the uh, the little shuttle elevator thing from the Jupiter Two. And was, it was, was that the one that was the lifting body that was going to land on the di- with the dinosaur parachute? Yeah, 
and it went up and it was the first thing to land like a rocket oh wait wait no i know what you're talking about now yes yes and and one of the test flights the the the, the fourth of three planned test flights because it passed the first three and they said we still have this rocket ship let's take it up again <laughs> and some particles got into the um the hydraulic pump that, that controlled one of the pieces of landing gear mm-hmm. and when that seized it kind of exploded out the side and it was in landing phase so it was coming down blew you know part of it blew up and it said hey there's debris on the field why don't i just move over and land where there's no debris and this was all the onboard computer doing. No one on ground control knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it landed and then tipped over and blew up. <laughs> the people <laughs> called it a failure. And no, it did exactly what it was supposed to. It said, do, the, the computer's thought process was, do I have enough fuel to reach orbit? And it didn't. So it said, okay, I have to land. Where's the safest nearest place to land? About 20 yards that way. Let's go over there. Let's land really slow. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, I I had forgotten about the the Delta Clipper because you know that was one of those things that uh, it was it was like uh, um, the the early flights of Blue Origin because they would publicize the Delta Clipper and they'd show it and it would go up and you know hover at you know yeah twelve hundred feet or whatever and then and then come back down and I was always but they never said why and I was always puzzled by what are they trying to do I mean now. It's clear what they were trying to do, uh, but they They're never said what they what were doing. Falcon Nine was, but they thought that, that a regular height rocket of, of the Falcon was too much mass up top to mm-hmm. get it to be stable enough when you land. They thought it would, if, if it was a squatter rocket, it would be easier to stabilize when you land because the rocket engines were further apart, and they would have to just gimbal minimally to point around where they need instead of just varying the thrust to keep it straight. So it was an easier design at that time. They just thought that the engine couldn't gimbal enough to keep it straight up. And the Falcon folks found a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and after blowing a bunch of them up too, which was still pretty spectacular watching, you know, watching some of those failures. And um, you have to love a company that, that would come up with the uh, rapid unscheduled disassembly <laughs> as an acronym for going all explodey. Mm-hmm. The sense of humor that they have. Well, and they also were they they were also very transparent about it because every time one would blow up, it would be all over YouTube the next day. Like, hey, look what we did! Boom! <laughs> we made a bottle rocket retroactively. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Mars. There's some cool shit going down on Mars, or going up, for that matter. Yeah, uh, the, the 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 first rocks that are that didn't get ejected by asteroid impact, and then drift through space for th- hundreds of thousands or millions of years, then land on Earth uh, to be brought back. Yep. The, Did the you perseverance, hear Elon Musk's uh, plan for Mars? Hmm? Say what? Did you hear Elon Musk's plan for Mars? He hasn't been talking too much about it lately, but is he still talking about cat, uh, colonizing it by 2050 or something? The plan is to take some of the, uh, the, the heavy, heavy vehicles and launch a processing factory first to take CO2 and turn it into oxygen and another one into methane. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to store that and that once they get enough of that, launch people to Mars and that would be the fuel for them coming back. 
Not a bad idea. We don't have that kind of technology yet, but <laughs> we do. We do. We do. When you when you uh, take carbon dioxide and you heat it up to fifteen hundred degrees Celsius, pressurized. No, 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 no. I know. I know. We have the, the technology to make the gas, mm-hmm. but it took NASA year. I mean, they're having trouble drilling into a rock to get a, a core sample the size of a pencil. but Elon Musk wants to send that factory up there to make um, make the gases and the uh, the 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 astronauts can live off of the 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 oxygen that that uh, they come up with and you know have a base up there but he wants to send the manufacturer the manufacturing plant up uh, the automated manufacturing Mm -hmm. plant first no oh no I, I understand the concept I'm just saying I don't think the hardware exists to do that yet the the chemistry behind it and the science behind it absolutely works. Yeah, yeah. So what what, what they have to develop now is the economy of scale. How much can they scale it? So how many of these will they have to send up before they have enough to send people and then bring them back? Mm-hmm. That's that's the big what if right now. Is to because you know how, how do you get something up to fifteen hundred degrees pressurized on a regular basis on Mars, um, and then be able to store it so when people finally get there, it's still there. There's, there was another Musk story that <laughs> sounds kind of gross uh, last month that had some people kind of freaking out a little bit. He's talking about creating this humanoid robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see that story? And yeah, uh, yeah. and Boston Dynamics beat him to it. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, but this, you know, he's putting out pictures of this very sleek. It looks like one of the, the, the spacesuits, but as a robot. Yeah. And I heard people losing their minds, like, "Oh no, we're gonna this thing's gonna take jobs away." I'm like, "Asimov was right." <laughs> go look at what Boston Dynamics is doing. They are the state of the art, and they're, <laughs> and they're, they're impressive. They're but dogs they're are scary as hell. Oh, I I love I'd love to have a big dog. <laughs> Those things I like them. But their legs been backwards, and it's like, uh... <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, it, watching and it, watching it, their robots do parkour all over their, their warehouse is great. Hmm? So watching their robots do like parkour around the, the the warehouse is great, but they've got you know these gigantic either engines or or battery packs that weigh as much as a car. Battery We're not going to see iRobot anytime soon. <laughs> well, and when you're seeing that video, you can't help but feel sorry for the robot when the guy goes up and the robot's picking up a box. And the guy pushes it, and pushes <laughs> again, and knocks the box out of its hand. You're like, you know. That one guy, those robots can remember that programming, and they can remember that one guy, and that's going to cause the robot revolution. It's all his goddamn fault. <laughs> There's at least one YouTube video where someone took that that video and, and did a voiceover for it. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> so when the, when, when the robot apocalypse happens, we have to find that guy and just sacrifice him to the robots. <laughs> yeah. If they haven't already got him already and are wearing his head on top of their their uh, their carapace, saying, we apologize. We had nothing to do with this. We didn't know. We did not <laughs> put yakety sacks to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the thing about robots that you know, I I admire what Boston Dynamics has done, and I really like the big dog because it doesn't look like anything. You know, yeah. it was designed for a function as opposed to an appearance. Um. Something I've I've kind of come to accept over the years is that there isn't much utility in building a humanoid robot. It's faster and cheaper to build purpose-built robots. 
you know, like uh, like the snake bots that they use for looking for survivors uh, in, in after earthquakes or building collapses. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you could spend years trying to build data basically that can lift these rocks and throw them and and then stumble around in the pile, or you can spend a couple hundred thousand dollars parent uh, with this inflatable snake robot that can squiggle around through and and carry a small camera and do the job much more efficiently. Well, the Boston Dynamics dogs, they're looking at beefing up the legs so we can go into small areas where there's uh, accidents and and, uh, building collapses. And when it finds a hole, if if it finds somebody, it can go in that hole and shore it up. Hmm. And and have the legs be that strong that the motors will drive the screws that that have the post come down and basically anchor it so that there's more of a chance of getting that person uh, water and food, something, bandages... Um, until some and communication, yeah, yeah. And now there, I, I, I haven't. There, there was a, a a brief hoo-ha where there were some uh, police precincts using Boston Dynamics robots mm-hmm. uh, that were armed. Uh, and people were freaking out about that. Yes, and I I, I don't blame them. But as long as, you know, police have been using armed robots for a long time now. They just, yeah. the, the robots don't have the autonomy to fire their weapon. That has to be done by someone around the corner with a with a joystick. Yes. Uh, I think as, as long as that's the case, I don't have a problem with police or military using, uh, you know, weapons on robots. It's when you automate the rules of engagement, then I think there's a huge problem. Yes, and we ran into that um, in Iraq and Afghanistan of, you know, they see this type of vehicle and shoot it, and oh, that's the wrong type of vehicle. Yeah. And that's still going on. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, uh, uh, okay, oh, why can I, Endeavor? What's, What's the helicopter's name? Endurance. Oh Jesus! Now I gotta look it up. The helicopter on Mars is. Um, uh, these are all Perseverance. Robots for a walk. Hey, would you please go ask them to be quiet? I've already asked them at least four times. Um. Sorry, folks. I'm we're, we're babysitting our neighbor's kid, and uh, our children are being noisy. <laughs> um. Tech, uh, ingenuity. That's it. Ingenuity. Okay. Um. Whoops. No. Come back here. There we go. Okay. The Ingenuity helicopter. Ingenuity helicopter. <laughs> Ingenuity helicopter, uh, burrito. God damn it! Sorry, folks. It's uh, it's one o'clock in the afternoon here, or two o'clock in the afternoon here, and anything but quiet. Um, if you were not uh, uh, aware, uh, the la- the latest Mars rover Perseverance brought with it a little itty bitty RC helicopter uh, to see if we could fly something in the tenuous atmosphere of Mars. And much like every other 
Mars mission that NASA sent up that didn't bury itself on landing, it has been an incredible success. They were thinking they'd be lucky if they could just get it off the ground once, maybe twice. And not on air pressure there. <laughs> not yeah, not not a lot. the The problem they're running into now, which I think is is fascinating, it's it's flown like thirteen or fourteen missions. I think it's it's just been so far beyond its its expectations. It's incredible. But now they're encountering a very interesting problem that they hadn't anticipated. It's been flying around for so long now that there are seasonal shifts in the air density. Every planet has them, but Mars's atmosphere is so uh, ephemeral that these atmospheric density changes could have a significant impact on the on, on uh, Ingenuity's ability to fly. And so they are now conducting tests with it to see if the motors can handle stepping up to the speeds needed to fly in the less dense atmosphere. And it seems to be handling that just fine, too. Do you know the origins of that motor? Mm -mm. The first motor that they tried to use was from a cell phone that caused the, that caused the cell phone to vibrate. Mm -hmm. It's that tiny. Wow. And they made a little bit bigger version of it. But that's that was the origin of that motor. Wow, cool. It's very yeah, that's... energy efficient, mm -hmm. um, strong uh, neodymium magnets, and it just it's it, it's funny that someone said, "Hey, I know what, what can produce that many RPMs." <laughs> you don't have to worry about torque. Well, and that's the that's one of the wonderful things that NASA's been doing for the last what, decade at least. Uh, you know, because they keep getting their budget cut, so they're like, "What off-the-shelf parts can we get?" to do our missions. Sure. And, you know, a lot of it, the, the, the trick is less about finding the gear and more about just hardening it to, you know, handle vacuum and, and you know, low air density and stuff. Well, NASA still has and the it's, only it's, solid rocket booster that gimbals. And for those of you that, that don't know, gimbling is when you can change the direction of the, of the pressure coming out of the rocket. You point it in a different direction. Normally, the, the rocket, solid rockets just have one direction down and it goes out. But when they were designing the solid rocket boosters for the space shuttle, someone said, we need to take this fairing and move it, but we need so much pressure. And one of the guys on that uh, on that team said, just use the um, hydraulics from the landing gear of a B-52. Hmm. And everybody was looking at me like, what? And he says, it'll do it. So they tried it and it worked. Cool. I didn't. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, and it's just everybody was looking at this guy like he just lost his head because they were thinking of really expensive things and uh, you know how can they put on other micro rockets to make it act like it's gimbling but not. And he just said just put a tube around it and then just use the the, the landing hydraulics from a B fifty two, and they were, they were looking for super high tech resolutions, and he just came up with a just go with this. <laughs> And uh, the last thing I can think of that we to, to, to talk about, we need to wrap this up. Um, China is flying circles around us right now. <laughs> and, and, and some of the tech they developed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, that that we're exactly squeaky clean in the espionage department, so <laughs> I'm not going to blame anyone for stealing secrets. But Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. Um, but they have they have launched uh, they're launching their own space station. They've got the first part of it up in orbit. The the uh, the the crew that put it up there just came home yesterday or the day before yeah. as as we're recording. Uh, they've got ro- a, at least one rover on the moon right now. Um, I think it's still going. Or did it fu- did it crap out? It, it 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 fulfilled its mission. I think maybe it it died after a few days, but it was only supposed to last a few days. Well, so are Mars rovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three week mission, three month mission. <laughs> years later. <laughs> <laughs> three years later. <laughs> um, again, you know, I, I don't, I, I think that competition is good. Uh, you know, I, we, we both grew up in the Apollo era when if it wasn't for the space race, we probably never would have gone to the moon or, or oh, know, yeah. we certainly we, would we, not have gotten this part. There's a reason to. Yeah. Um, and right now, the you know, Chinese I, have the only really good reason for going back. They're putting so much money into fusion reactors. Oh, so they the moon is the highest concentration of helium three that we can get right now. The easiest way mm-hmm. to get it. So bringing that stuff back would be a boon to them, and they're the only ones doing the research in it with a lot of cash. Yeah. Yeah, well, when you don't sweat, well, I was going to say when you don't sweat, your your population starving. But uh, again, that's not a glass house our government can throw stones in either. So, um, well, they're, they're just better at killing seventy million people. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, th- there's a lot of there are a lot of other countries doing interesting stuff in space. Sure. Um, India, no, Israel tried to land a, a, a rover on on the moon. It it landed, <laughs> it didn't 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 land well, didn't land usefully, but it did get there. Um, which that in itself, you know, hitting getting something to the moon is no is no nothing to scoff at. Uh, it just it would have a, a softer landing would have been better. <laughs> did you hear about the fusion news at our own uh, fusion nuclear reactor? Mm-mm. Um, ten quadrillion watts of power fusion generated by fusion for a fraction of a second okay um the uh, Lawrence Livermore lab 3.5 billion dollar facility and they achieved fusion uh with lasers and the problem we have with the magnetic bottles and using protons and all that stuff is as as you try to heat this stuff and press it together the 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 electrons and protons that are freed up tend to disperse any electron beam that's going in there. Mm-hmm. That's just that that. So we have to find a way to overcome that and get them to fuse when they're they're pressed enough using mag- magnetism without the magnetism interfering with the electron beams going going in or the lasers going in. Mm-hmm. And you know they they they've done it. We just have to now get it to the point where we can sustain the reaction and. Then we can kiss off all these other nuclear and coal power plants. Yeah. Yep. Once, so once we crack fusion, then Star Trek happens. Yes. I think the reason China is more heavily invested than we are is because they have a whole more, whole lot more population that is going from very low class to middle class, 
and they want their gadgets, they want their TVs, and they want their mm-hmm. electric cars. And if they don't provide, if the government can't provide it, there's going, they're afraid of a, re- of a revolution. Yeah. So they're looking at energy like if we can't supply people energy, we're going to be out of a job, and uh, they're going to overthrow the government. Mm-hmm. Long-term thinking, that's what that, I believe that's what they're thinking. That, and that's where we fail miserably. The, the U.S. is terrible at long-term thinking. We're all oh, about... In general. Hmm? And, 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 and that's oh, yeah. an evolutionary thing. That, that's uh, when, when, when you're uh, a predator, but you don't have any nails or armor or anything like that, any claws. Um, and anything out, everything out there in the earth wants to eat you. Every single bug wants to eat you. Every single plant wants to be poisonous. So we adapted and we learned to eat them and drink them like coffee and chocolate um, and habaneros. <laughs> but everything here was designed to kill us in some way, including the weather. The earth is not a, a, an Eden. It was designed to kill us and we just out-survived it. But uh, the, the way I see it is human, human beings are, are designed to think short-term only and a few exceptional people um, can think long-term. And I think Elon Musk is one of them. Yeah. Um, but I th- thinking short term versus long term, there's not much reward for thinking long term because you won't be around to see it. Yeah. My biggest worry is that Elon Musk gets a hold of some proto molecule and then we're all fucked. Yeah, but <laughs> even if he was declared the, the great big ruler of, of all humanity or you'll die, um, so far, he might be good at it. <laughs> there have been worse dictators. Now, I did just remember there is there is one really good news story that I'd like to close with. The James Webb Telescope is finally on its way to launch. Yes. It's only what ten years and how many billions of dollars <laughs> over budget? But it's like you know, by the time they get up there, it should have been decommissioned. <laughs> <laughs> Its replacement should have already been scheduled for launch. And they're working on it. <laughs> um, God love them. They've been set back so many times. People have retired thinking that this is going to be my, my college project. And they've retired. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's it's finally been packed up. It's on its way to Bolivia, I think. They're launching it from, from South America. Yeah. Um, I guess because it's 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 oh, not for, even yeah. going to be in Earth orbit. It's going out to a Lagrange point. Yeah, because it's an infrared telescope, so it needs to be very far away from any heat source. Um, so it's going to be a few million miles away from Earth when it finally opens up and starts taking pictures of the beginning of the universe. <laughs> and there is talk amongst the the dreamers at the Smithsonian of doing a small launch dock with the Hubble and moving the Hubble to a high orbit until we can bring it back down to Earth and put it in the Smithsonian. Of course, it's only the Smithsonian talking about this, but they're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, are they going <laughs> to... That, that would be a very expensive... Well, no, it's it's too... Because, I mean, I know they have... Uh, and, and by they, I don't remember who was doing this, but I, I, I heard some stories last year about a company that's making little mini satellites that are designed to go and latch onto an existing satellite that's run out of maneuvering fuel. Yes. And just basically be that satellite's new maneuvering thruster so they can move, you know, restore their orbits and stuff. Or even have a gyroscope in there so they can orient. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if they could do something like that with the Hubble, but the Hubble's, I mean, it's like, it's they, the they couldn't get through the atmosphere. How, how do you heat shield something like that? Oh, yeah, bringing, oh, no, bringing it home is, is utterly impossible. Yeah, that, 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 eventually, that, that's the goal, but they just want to stabilize, push it up into a higher orbit so they can eventually get it back. I could see if, you know, if you could get something to go up and, like, chop off a piece, <laughs> but, yeah, you'd, you'd need a, a you'd need a capsule the size of a, a Greyhound bus. And yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> but the cheapest way to get it to a higher orbit is electrically. Uh, when they did the tethered satellite experiment from the uh, the space shuttle, mm-hmm. uh, you, you have a central locate a, a central um, satellite, and you string uh, a wire about a mile up and a mile down, mm-hmm. going through the Earth's magnetic field. It generates electricity. If you generate solar electricity and push it in backwards, it'll it'll create a magnetic field and it'll push against the Earth's magnetic field. To push it to a higher orbit. Hmm. Cheap. It's not yeah. very fast, but it's cheap. <laughs> yeah, but you just you have to get to it to do it. And the Hubble really wasn't designed for that. So no, it, it will be a shame when it eventually deorbits. It will be a big shame. But I think we got way, way, way more than our money's worth out of that piece of equipment. I think it, uh, it, it. Now the the downside to the James Webb is it's not a uh, a, a visual light telescope, right? Uh, you know, visible light. That's what I'm looking for. It's it's an infrared telescope. It will it will bring in lots of science, but it's not going to bring in the fantastic panoramic shots Hubble did. Yeah, unless they computer generate melding the images of what we have with what it generates, but then you'll lose some resolution. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I need to release my family from their vow of silence here. So, uh, Unc, thank you so much for joining me today. This was great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've and been, I've been having a talk. science, like a buildup of science talk. <laughs> it's like a... Because <laughs> everybody well, else just gets bored when I start going on about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I eat it up. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Folks, if you have any questions uh, about what's going on with space stuff, please feel free to let us know. Uh, Starbase66 at gmail.com is where you can find us, or you can find me uh, at Dilithium Rick on Twitter, uh, or find me on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. You know, send, a, send a message, and we will, if we don't know the answer, we'll find out for you. And if we can't we'll find out, up. we'll make something up. <laughs> <laughs> So take care, y'all. Thanks again, Unc. And we'll catch y'all later. And bye-bye. You bet.